I've thought of many different ways to start off this message, and this is the one I settled on after much really deep contemplation and soul-searching, just really looking for insight as to something that would be engaging to connect you to the subject matter. It's this. I like mine with lettuce and tomato, Heinz 57 and French fried potatoes. Big kosher pickle and a cold draft beer. Well, good gracious, Hashem, which way do I steer for my cheeseburger with Abraham? Abraham! You got it? I left a lot of confusion on the table last week. So, may as well start off with weirdness too, right? Milk and meat. Abraham and Torah. I'm actually going to do my very best, friends, to complete this sermon today for you um, in its entirety. But I really kind of need to get a general idea of how long it's going for. So let me just do that. How's that? It's odd. It's weird to do that, I know. But it's for your, it's for your own good. Abraham and Torah. Abraham, the father of many nations, and the Torah. Did Abraham know the Torah or did he not know the Torah? Well, Judaism says on many strains, many opinions that he did, or let me rephrase, some opinions that he did know the Torah. And I'll take you there in a second. And therefore, though, that begs the question, how could he serve milk and meat to angels? Milk and meat to anyone, for that matter, if he knew the Torah. Well, Judaism... Is a, is a religion and a culture of beautiful, deep thinkers. So there are quite a number of explanations as to how it is that if Abraham knew the entire Torah, this could happen. Some are very logical. Some are quite creative. And uh, my friend, who I mentioned to you, who told me about I should be eating cheeseburgers because Abraham did, really gets a big kick out of some of these. So I thought I'd share some of these Abraham's outs, okay? Abraham's excuses, Abraham's ways. First of all, they were angels. Number one, spiritual beings, although they were dressed as men, they didn't need to eat. And they didn't eat. So Abraham simply placed it before them, but they did not partake of it. Okay, number one problem, Abraham still served it. So that would be on Abraham as a violation of Torah if he knew all Torah. I don't like that one. Number two, another interpretation says that he placed these, the curds and the cream and the calf before them. He stood over them beneath the tree and they ate. So it would seem that they did eat. However, Abraham did not, and he stood over the angels, which I find a a humorous interpretation, that he stood over the angels and instructed them in the proper way to eat. So that you see Abraham saying, for instance, if an angel went to dip a little bit of beef in sour cream, no, 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 don't mix that. Which that one is also... It's possible. Another opinion suggests that the travelers, the angels, were actually dressed as Arab travelers. Now, that gave Abraham, who was gifted in the, in the art 
an act of hospitality that gave him license to serve them what they would like to eat. And if they were Arab travelers, then it was fine for them to eat milk and meat. As a matter of fact, they appreciated it. And therefore, Abraham, because hospitality superseded all, served them what they wanted to eat. But he did not eat that. Now, that is a problem. Here's why. Abraham is a disciple maker. Abraham loved God. He loved God's people. And he was constantly teaching them about serving the one true God. So much so that Rashi says that after Abraham would serve a meal of hospitality, he would say, bless him of whose food you have partaken. You think that you have eaten my food? Not so. It belongs to the one who by his word created the world. So it's unlikely that Abraham would follow a cheeseburger with that blessing, regardless if they were Arabs or not. He would instead be wanting to make a disciple. Here's my absolute favorite. You ready? Did you know, according to this interpretation, that Abraham was actually the one who created beyond meat? You've heard of meatless meat? He actually, by this interpretation, did it. Because here's what happened. If you read the text, the text in the Torah says he served the calf he had prepared, literally asa, the calf he had made. Okay? So this more mystical interpretation says that through study in what is called the Sefer Yetzirah, the book of formation, Abraham had learned how to actually create a calf. But it wasn't really a calf, and therefore it could be, it was a special calf. It was a Beyond Burgers calf, <laughs> and it could be served with meat. It's not the only thing that we fi actually find that in the Talmud, where it says on the eve of every Shabbat, Rav Hanina and Rav Hushaya would sit and engage in the study of Sefer Yetzirah, the book of formation. And create a delicious calf and eat it. So we have that as being the top of the most creative explanations. Now, there's a very easy and obvious Jewish, most obvious one. Can you guess what it might be? There are laws regarding the consumption of dairy and meat, but primarily there is a very, very short window, if any window, depending on the type of cheese that you're eating, which means you can eat something dairy, wash out the mouth, and then go and eat meat. So the idea is this. Abraham, again, because he was so gifted in the act of hospitality, in the Middle East, you can whip up a, you can whip up like a lavne, I think it's called. It's like a, almost like a goat cheese yogurt-ish thing. We went to a, 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 what was it called? Abraham's tent. And you can, you can whip this up real quick with goat meat, uh, goat milk, and lemon, and something else, and you serve it. And that's still very popular in Arab culture. Labne, I think is what it's called. So he brought out to his guests what could be prepared most quickly, which was this dairy, dairy appetizer, if you will, because there's nothing like warm goat milk on a hot day, right? <laughs> 
But the point is that that is completely acceptable within Jewish law to set before your guests a dairy meal and then after serve the meat. It doesn't work the other way around, but it does work that way. Okay, so it's it's there are there there's that's a good answer and it works. Okay. But there's another even more obvious one that several people have asked me about through the week about Abraham's cheeseburger. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you right now. One more answer that's both difficult, a bit contradictory by some Jewish interpretations, but I think beautifully illuminating for our community. And the answer is this. By far the simplest, this would be that this story took place before the Torah was given at Mount Sinai and kosher laws like this simply did not exist. They were not yet binding. Okay? That's pretty easy to swallow, no pun intended, right? Abraham didn't know. But that is a problem in Judaism because the Talmud and multiple other sources in Jewish thought tell us that he kept all of the Torah, including the kosher laws, even though he didn't have to. And that is based on a verse in Genesis 26 where God is talking to Isaac and he says this, paraphrasing, you know what, your dad was awesome. I really love your dad and I'm going to bless everybody because of your dad. Do you know, Isaac, what your dad did? And then he gives him this. Abraham obeyed my voice, observed my safeguards, my commandments, my decrees, and literally in the Hebrew, my Torahs. Okay? God's speaking to Isaac about Abraham. This is where Judaism derives the idea that Abraham did indeed know all the Torah. He kept the safeguards, the commandments, the decrees, and the Torahs. The decrees refers to laws that are not based on human understanding. The commandments, these refer to laws dictated by human morals. Safeguards indicates that Abraham upheld even rabbinical enactments that came millennia later. And the Torahs, it uses the plural Torahs, refers to the fact that Abraham observed both the written and the oral Torah, which came later. Okay, you with me? It's a lot of stuff to throw in there. Basically, that idea, that school of thought in Judaism that says that Abraham observed everything and knew all this about kosher, all of that comes from this idea. Not only did Abraham keep the whole Torah, the rabbinic interpretations, the oral law, the written law, the things we don't understand, it wasn't just him. Noah also did. Jacob did after him. That's the, that's the understanding. Because you see, Torah is eternal. It's God's powerful word. It was there before there was anything. And I agree with that. However, 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 what about the rest of that claim? That Abraham, a man, knew all of these things. Is that true? David has a vote for yes. Okay, great. Rashi and Ramban, two very, very, very significant thinkers in Judaism, are in agreement with David that the patriarchs literally knew the Torah. And while creative answers abound, there, there are a number of very, very famous Jewish opinions who do not think that, who do not support that thinking. Okay? 
Abraham was, and, he, and here, are some, here are some challenges to the idea that Abraham knew the Torah in our context. Abraham was told to circumcise his son and himself, right? And some of these are easily dismissed and argued and all that, but he was told to circumcise himself. The circumcision covenant is in the Torah, Shouldn't he have already known that he needed to circumcise himself and his sons? If he already knew Torah, why did God need to tell him that? And again, I'm not being adversarial. I'm saying what there are some objections to this. <clears throat> How were the commandments of tithes in the temple observed when no priests, Levites, or temple were established when Abraham lives? That's Torah. How were, well, we're commanded to write a copy of Torah, and so wouldn't Jacob have already known that, I, that, that um, Joseph was going to be kidnapped? Wouldn't he have been able to thwart the plan and stop the brothers, or at least not have to live in agony thinking that his son was dead? If Jacob knew Torah like his father before him, he would know this, and he wouldn't have struggled, Right? It's an, it's an objection. And speaking of Jacob, Jacob did a Torah no-no. What did Jacob do? He married two sisters. The Torah doesn't allow that. The Torah commands us to live in Sukkot, to remember the Exodus and how God provided for Israel in the wilderness. The Exodus in Abraham's day was quite a few centuries away. We're also asked to, I, I don't think that Abraham would have really known what the commandment to shake a lulav and etrog in your sukkah would have meant. Okay, that's just being honest. We're called to remember Amalek. Remember Amalek? He's the guy who came behind and did all the bad things to Israel. None of that had happened yet. And Abraham, how was he going to remember Amalek long before Amalek? So these are objections to this idea. And, and I'm going to tell you that this, this, I have a question for you. And I'm, I'm just thinking crazy. Who actually cares if Abraham knew the Torah or not? What if he didn't? David cares. <laughs> what if he didn't know the Torah? What if he didn't? Does that change? What does that change? What does that change for us if Abraham actually served milk and meat to angels? What does it change for us? Do we need to throw out the entire Bible and say that God is, you know, wishy-washy and changes mind? All those explanations that I gave you are great. They're, they're great explanations and they're fun, but the text itself does not give us any of that information directly. We cannot derive specifically how Abraham served cream and cow. So what if he didn't know the Torah? What does that mean for us? 21st century followers, observant on, on varying levels, Messianic Jews and Gentiles. And despite all the, the gymnastics and the justifications and theological, theological considerations, what, what difference would it make? How, what does that change? Do we have to revisit everything? Well, here's what I'm going to suggest. That this story actually tells us something incredibly beautiful. 
and not about our diet or cheeseburgers because it's actually much more important than cheeseburgers. Yes, something's more important than cheeseburgers. It is supposed to be, like most of my teachings, this is supposed to be about being a disciple, a child of God. And Abraham was that. God called him a friend. Did Abraham serve milk and meat together? Maybe. Maybe not. The text isn't clear. If so, apparently God hadn't told him not to, and the angels were in on it too. But what we do know, and this is what matters... What we do know, since we don't know that for sure, we do know that Abraham was faithful to do all the things that God told him to do. And we saw and see these tests of Abraham, especially culminating in, well, two weeks ago, we see him giving up everything and walking out on his home town and just giving up everything because God said to. And then we see him, yeah, circumcising yourself. That's kind of a big thing to say yes to when you hear a voice telling you that. And he, he obviously listened to God when it came to the binding of Isaac. He was righteous and faithful and he did. He did the things that were revealed to him to do, right? That's why Abraham was called faithful. You can read Romans 4 about that if you need some reminder. And apparently, apparently, God had not told Jacob about not marrying sisters. Though one would think that would come naturally, right? I'm married to one woman. I definitely do not want to marry her sister. But Jacob got tricked, so we'll give him that. What we do know about Jacob is that he did what God commanded him. The things, what of Torah had been revealed to Jacob, he did. He pursued as a righteous individual. And no one criticized him for it. Jacob never was rebuked for marrying two sisters. He was a righteous man. But he probably didn't know the whole Torah. There is a recurrent and relevant theme that runs through this book that we order our lives by. And we talk about it a lot, actually. Uh, It's called, very familiar term, progressive revelation. Progressive revelation. And this is where I want to take us out of talking about cheeseburgers while everyone's hungry, okay? Abraham was something special. It was the inception of relationship. Adam, failure. Noah, failure. Abraham, got it. Noah wasn't a failure. That's not fair to Noah. But but Abraham is the champion. This was the inception of relationship. He accepted what God said. It was credit to him as righteousness. All the things that he did. And when thinking of how how Abraham served God and the example that it sets for us, it does sort of, it sort of becomes irrelevant as to whether or not he served triple cheddar cheeseburgers. Because that's not the lesson of Abraham and nothing that's happening in Genesis 18 is really about diet. That's not what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about teaching you to be hospitable to people. 
And we get this idea, this picture here of someone dedicated to serving God. He listened to what God had revealed to him. Whatever that was, whatever Torah Abraham knew, he executed and walked it out faithfully, right? That's a, that's a, that's a certainty. He had faith to trust what God said. That was the inception of this relationship. There was another revelation progressive, and it was what I would call the expansion of the relationship at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai with the children of Abraham, and God didn't change his mind. He didn't all of a sudden come along and say, hmm, huh, what, 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 what crazy radical thing can I do? Because I didn't like what Abraham did, so what, what's the new thing? He broadened the audience. It wasn't just one man and one family now. It was an entire nation. And in the giving of that, expansion of that relationship, there would need to be rules. Bigger, written down laws for living. I always like, David sometimes will make this joke, which I, it's one of the funny jokes that he has of the four. Of, <laughs> uh, he says... He's talking about Torah. I've heard him say this to people, and he says, oh yeah, and listen, if you ever need help understanding what you should do, God was real gracious to us. He wrote it down. He wrote it down for you. So that's what he did with the Torah and the expansion of the relationship. He, he gave these rules for living, proper relationship arrangements for God, and this much larger audience. And guess what? Ready for this? At that point, it doesn't matter if Abraham served filet mignon with blue cheese and butter. It doesn't matter because that's not what God was now instructing his people to do. And what Israel was supposed to do was to take it from that point forward and to begin living this out. Abraham's not irrelevant. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it doesn't matter for that because the Jewish people at Sinai now understand that these are our instructions going forward. And you ready for the next and final big revelation? It happened at a cross and an empty tomb at Golgotha. So there was an inception, there was an expansion, and then there was the culmination of this relationship. And once again, who is the model? I know Yeshua is the doorway. Who's the model for what it's going to look like as this one big family is coming back together under God's instruction? You know who it is? Romans 4, Abraham. And Paul talks about it. He says, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. And then he goes in and talks about the circumcised and the uncircumcised. And all who follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. So it's not really relevant as to whether or not Abraham served cheeseburger pizza. But wait, many, many Jewish people did not like this idea at all of Gentiles being brought in. We can see that conflict in the book of Acts. Wait a second, wait a second. They're not going to follow the Torah. Our ancestors didn't allow Gentiles to eat with us. And the council, the Acts council, in essence says, you know what? That doesn't matter. Because now... There's a new thing. God is doing something new. There is a new revolution, a new revelation. But what if they serve us bologna and cheese? And the council said, it doesn't matter. We know the Torah. 
we know what we're doing. These people don't. And it is now our job to bring them into the mix and educate them. That's what the culmination of relationship was going to look like. And James said, we, like Abraham, are committed to Torah as revealed to us. And now, like Abraham, we're going to bring them alongside. And this is what the Acts Council says. Most of the things that the Acts Council says the Gentiles need to do are related to food. Strangely enough, the Acts Council says, if my judgment that we do not cause trouble for the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols, from acts of sexual immorality, from what has been strangled, from blood, for from ancient generations Moses has those who preach him in every city. He is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. They learned Torah. And the good news is that that's still happening. Right now, as a matter of fact, you're sitting in these chairs learning Torah, Gentiles. From my mouth to your ears. It is the culmination. We are living out that progressive revelation as we're reading and studying Moses, the Torah. And you know what you're doing? Do you know what each of you are doing? You're doing the same thing Abraham did. Gentiles, the nations, are living out Torah as revealed to you gradually over time. That's the way it works. God hasn't changed his mind. He has expanded his family. And he never backed up and said, oh, I made a mistake. Now, has man-made interpretation complicated things at times? Yes. I, I, actually, I hesitate to use the word man-made because that's used so, so incredibly out of context. Sometimes interpretations have complicated things and made them difficult. But can we throw the burger out with the bun? Dairy-free bun, of course. Can we throw the baby out with the bathwater? There is a weakness. Surely someone should be seeing. Someone somewhere would be listening to what I'm saying and saying, that is a, that is a horribly weak argument. Because guess what? You're talking about these Gentiles. Here's what happened. Rabbi Jesus came with a very progressive revelation. And you know what he said? You should undo all of these legalistic things and you should be eating ham and cheese sandwiches because I set you free from the Torah. Jesus was the progressive revelation. He's the real culmination of it. Guess what? One response to that. Incorrect. Another one. Wrong. Another one. No. That, what's an analogy? Let me think. Off the cuff here. It's like, to say that would be like getting ready to get married. Okay? You're going to premarital counseling, right? You're coming into this new bond, this new connection. You're going to premarital counseling. And the, the marriage counselor says, so are you, are you fairly familiar with the things that please your mate? This would be like the Torah with God, things that he said he would, that would be good. Are you, are you fairly familiar with the things that please your mate? And I respond, yes, I am. I'm ready to do that. And the marriage counselor says, no, don't do any of those things. 
Those things are stupid. Don't do any of those things. I want you to do a totally new, ridiculously off-center set of things. That would be what it would be like for Yeshua to come and say to Gentiles, I don't want you to do any of the things God said were good anymore. That's dumb. That never happened. That's not the progressive revelation that Jesus brought. Did Yeshua put Gentiles under the law and we have to, you know, you have to observe every set of kosher laws that exist? No, that's not actually what we're talking about in any way. God revealed the deeper and more connected ways of relationship with him through the Torah. And Gentiles had absolutely zero understanding of what that looked like in the first century. So after the Acts Council, every little bit, more and more Torah is revealed to the nations. And that's what's happening. And that is what will happen. That's the prophetic reality as Jesus' day, Yeshua's approach, comes closer. It was not and still is not a requirement on Gentiles to observe all Torah. But it is an expectation of relationship. That's what distinction means. That's why we talk about Jews being obligated to Torah and, and Gentiles, if I can use a sort of a not a great word, invited to Torah or participating in Torah. Because it's a progressive realization of all the things that you're learning and doing and implementing. That's good. So does the Torah tell us that Abraham served cheeseburgers, that Abraham ate cheeseburgers? Well, no, it doesn't. And it actually, it actually doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Abraham's story is not used to define our observance of kosher. Because that was then, and this is now. And a lot has happened. But let me tell you one very important thing. I've explained biblical kashrut that came after Abraham. Why Judaism reads, don't cook a kid in its mother's milk that way. And that has been established for a long, th long time. But let me tell you this really important thing. If you want to know WWJD, if you want to know what would Jesus do, Eat a cheeseburger is not on the list. Do you know why? Because he's a Torah observant Jew. And the laws that came after Abraham and after Sinai were completely and perfectly obeyed by Jesus. And in his time, the understanding of do not boil a kid in its mother's milk was very well established to mean you don't mix milk and meat. So, WWJD on one side, not eat a cheeseburger on the other bracelet. Just as a reminder, that's, that's relevant. That's some food for thought, if you will, in progressive revelation. And there is no real concrete explanation for why God said, don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. There's a lot of different interpretations, but it's not clearly spelled out. Now, one of the more prominent and beautiful explanations is, 
Milk is life, right? Milk provides life and nutrient. We are mammals. God made us with this, made women with this incredible ability to nurture another human being, right? Okay, fine. What is meat? Meat is death. When meat is prepared, something must die. Something must give up its life and precious blood must be spilt. And God in many ways is a God of separation. Light and dark. The read in the creation story, we talk about wool and linen being separated. Would it not be quite obvious that God would also say, let's not mix life and death? That's, I think, a a, a beautiful explanation of why maybe that is there. The two should not meet and consider, consider life as God gave it even when you eat. Most people don't think about anything when they eat except, mmm. Now, lest someone feel that I'm pointing fingers or getting legalistic. Why are you always judging me because I'm only eating cheeseburgers? No, I'm not judging you. Okay? We don't have to get weird or divisive or for you to feel any sense of judgment. I don't eat cheeseburgers because I see it this way. But guess what? You can eat a cheeseburger around me if you would like to. We're still going to be friends. I'm still going to love you. That's not what it's about. Uh, you know, my kosher standard, even as a rabbi, um, is not by the most strict orthodox standards. Living in Macon, Georgia, there's basically one bit of kosher meat you can eat. Hebrew national hot dogs. And listen, snouts and hooves can only take you so far. But I'm here to teach and you know, as G.I. Joe says, because now you know, knowing is half the battle. Abraham's meal of hospitality, and that was the lesson, not his menu. But I'm willing to bet, willing to bet, if Abraham joined us today for lunch, much to the dismay of my cheeseburger-eating rabbi friend, if Abraham joined us for lunch today, he probably would not order a cheeseburger. Shabbat shalom. Let's stand.